In lieu of the senseless acts of violence that occurred in Buffalo, Uvalde, and countless other cities throughout this country, Is the of Life wants to take a moment to send our condolences to the families and communities affected by gun violence each and every day. We can no longer allow our government to sacrifice life for mere power. Enough is enough. Quite a few things, so I'll get started here. But um, the first thing, in 1949, the first BAFTA Awards, which are pretty much the equivalent of our um, Oscars, but for the UK, the first BAFTA Awards happened, and the best film was The Best Years of Our Lives. And this was a film in 1949, and uh, I'm not sure if we really know anybody in it, but. It was kind of a big film back there about World War II and veterans and um, kind of the difficulties that they faced when they came back to regular life. So yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. And then in 1961, Raisin in the Sun premiered, and this was a film starring Sidney Poitier. And uh, I think I'm not sure, I don't think this was his first film, but um, it was definitely a film, one of the films that, and just his kind of in the 60s where he just kept. Right, making films that were very poignant and kind of uh, groundbreaking. So yeah, this is just one of those. Um, in 1987, director John Landis, this is a kind of a crazy story, uh, was found not guilty of manslaughter of I think it was three people that were killed on the set of um, his movie Twilight Zone, the movie. And uh, there's there's so much that goes into this story and you can read on it read about it on your own but they're filming this movie and yeah people got killed on the actual set and the making of the movie and so he got tried for manslaughter and wow was yeah yeah it's an insane story and he is the father of max landis Mm -hmm. who is also a director um he's done mostly like comic things and one movie i can think of is chronicle is the one I really, really think of, or can think of when I think of his name. And um, it, it, what's messed up is I think more people may know that he was kind of hit with um, accusations of uh, misconduct from like a, a, almost like I think like ten different women or something. This was around the real big, big part of um, Me Too. So unfortunately, that's what his name is mostly no, connected sure. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 2015, Jurassic World premiered. This is uh, stars Chris. God, Pratt. which Chris is that? Yes, there's too many of them. Chris <laughs> Pratt, yeah, Jurassic World. <laughs> and then in 2018, in uh, an incident that was definitely very racist, but still kind of funny. Um, Roseanne Barr, uh, the show Roseanne, the reboot was canceled after she had a kind of racist outburst through tweet on Twitter and uh, she blamed it on her medicine which I believe was Ambien is the one that she blamed it on so kind of wild to think that that was four years ago but yes seems like forever ago (laughs) yeah yeah it does one likes film the other TV Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. In this week's episode, we recap the winners of the Cannes Film Festival, continue our Emmy noms countdown, and discuss the return of Stranger Things. But first, let's get into this week's headlines. All right, first up, um, big news came out of Anaheim all this week because it was Star Wars Celebration. Um, This is like their, I don't know what you call it, con presentation stuff for everything Star Wars from movies to film to comics, everything. Um, And the big news is basically um, updating people on the latest projects. So... 
Um, of course, third season of The Mandalorian is set to come next year in February. They showcase the trailer for fans there exclusively. Um, they discuss other series, as is the Ashoka series starring Rosario Dawson. Um, they discuss um, some new series, animated series coming to Disney Junior and Disney Plus. And of course, they spoke about um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which premiered this past Friday. So it was all things Star Wars, all things new and upcoming. Um, they said that Taiki Watiti's Star Wars film will be next in the canon of theatrical releases, as well as a new series with Jude Law from John Watts, the director of the Spider-Man movies um, will be coming as well. So, and then overseas, um, it was announced that actors Kevin Spacey has been charged with four accounts of sexual assault stemming from an investigation by the Britain, the initials for CPS, basically British investigation. We'll just say that. Okay. Um, and this stems from allegations that came forth back in 2017. Um, he served as a, a creative director for the London Old Civic Theater from 2005 to around 2013. And from that, there were like 20 allegations of inappropriate behavior. Wow. And um, three defendants have come forward and accused him of sexual assault in 2005, 2008, and 2013. So, um, as they announced them Thursday, but they can't be officially applied unless he he uh, sets foot on soil in the Wales or in England where these alleged crimes took place. So for right now, they're not going to extradite him, but that that is in is happening. And I guess he's going to fight them, fight these cases or whatnot. Um, he has in the past, and ironically, he was at actually featured in two films that can this past weekend so yeah I saw that too he's somewhat in trying to come back but he shouldn't all right well I'll knock out mine in very recent news uh, recent as this morning um there was a a, a lightweight box, boxing match happening at Barclays Center in New York and uh, there was a loud noise that happened in the stadium like I'm not sure what it was like something dropped or echoed or whatever but it caused like hysteria and people initially thought that of course since this is america there was a mass shooter and um it kind of sent people into like a frantic state and they rushed and i think maybe a dozen people were hurt in the commotion there, there wasn't any shooting and i'm not sure what the noise was but um uh, naomi Osaka, the tennis player was there and um she tweeted earlier just about how scared she was and how how crazy of an event that it all was, what, what happened and what went down. So, um, yeah, I saw that headline maybe sometime late afternoon. I had no idea it happened. So, yeah. Uh, secondly, um, Netflix's CEO, uh, Ted Sarandos, has come out to uh, once again defend he and his company's decision to keep kind of airing these um, transphobic and very unnecessary com uh, like comedy specials. The latest one stars Ricky Gervais. It was way past his time and no longer funny, but he goes on a tirade about um, you know, trans people and, and pretty much demeaning them and not adding anything positive to the um, to the conversation and pretty much. Sarando's whole thing is that, you know, um, they're free to say what they want and that everything's not going to be for everybody. So it kind of like, if you don't like it, then just don't watch it, which kind of just reiterates what people are saying that I don't think he really understands. Well, you know what? I think he does understand it. I think it's just dollars because while he's losing certain customers, this is going to bring in another sort of customer so I, I think for me at least it's all about money to him so yeah it because it was one thing with Chappelle but like for Gervais like what he was saying wasn't even remotely funny there was no joke there was 
nothing there. It was just hate speech. So like, yeah, him saying like we don't want to censor, blah blah blah, blue blue, sir. That's not what this is about. Like Netflix right. preaches all this inclusion and let creators be vocal, but you just can't allow hate to be utilized that way because. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Right. And some other news. Um, sadly, it was announced this weekend we lost Andrew Fletcher, the lead singer of Depeche Mode, um, yeah. the 80s musical group. Um, I'm pretty sure they were still touring and everything, as far I as I know. So. I believe he was 60 years old. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't too old. Yeah. Um, yeah, 60 years old. Uh, which is is wild. We're really losing a lot of people. Yeah, um, a lot of pioneers. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, yeah. And we also lost suddenly Ray Liotta, um, known yeah. for his role in Fellow Dreams, Karina Karina, Goodfellas. Um, he most recently appeared in Marriage Story. Um, he was 67 and just passing his sleep. Um, he was actually in uh, Dominican Republic filming a new, a new movie right. Right, and, right. and just passed. So definitely a heartbreaker. And it was amazing to see how many people just poured out and spoke kind things of him because he was usually typecast as a not so kind person. So you didn't really know who his personality and stuff like that, but um, he will definitely be missed. He was definitely a favorite. We'll move from some headlines and get into our awards watch here. We're continuing talking about our Emmy uh, nomination predictions. And this week we'll be focused on supporting comedy actor and actress. Um, I'm going to be honest, like I don't watch that many comedies. So yeah, I, I get a few in, but I'm right there with you. Yeah, so this is going to kind of be up in the air for me. But let's just see who's who's in contention. Uh, we'll start with actress. Uh, so you see, last year, Hannah Winningham won. Waddingham won for Ted Lasso. I believe last year, Ted Lasso pretty much swept. Um, yeah, pretty much. The comedy categories. So let's see, other top-tier contenders. We have um, Cynthia Nixon for And Just Like That. Um, two Saturday Night Live actresses, A.D. Bryant and Ego Nwandem, uh, Zoysia Mamet and Rosie Perez from The Flight Attendant, yeah. um, Yvonne Orji from Insecure, Lisa Ann Walter, Abbott Elementary, Molly Shannon, the other two, Alana yeah. Glazer, The After Party, and Paula Pell, Girls 5 Eva. Um, I've seen two of these, three of these shows. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen, let's see, well, Saturday Night Live is up and down. Um, the Flight Attendant, Insecure, Abbott Elementary, Girls Five Ever, and I've watched the other two. I remember when it first started, but I haven't kept up with it, so. Okay. Yeah, I've heard the other two is really good, but I, I can't. Yeah comment any that yeah it's it's funny it's a pretty funny concept as well just mm -hmm. uh, yeah um and then the next in line we have amy ryan for only murders in the building which i've yet to start and yeah. janelle james for abbott elementary um i will say so some some people from abbott will be nominated just because that show is such a, a big hit um yeah in this freshman season. So let's see, the top contenders again are Hannah Waddingham, Hannah Einbinder for Hacks, Sarah Goldberg for Barry, Alex Borstein for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Juno Temple for Ted Lasso, Kate McKinnon for her final season of SNL, Cheryl Lee Ralph for Abbott Elementary, and Cecily Strong for SNL. I'm gonna have to go for, for Cheryl Lee Ralph. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. I can be honest with you. I forgot the marvelous Mrs. Maisel was still on. I thought that was done. Yeah, 
I think this is the final season or the fifth season will be the final season. I think this past season was season four. Yeah, it it sort of remarkably was big that first season, which I never got. Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't really get into it. And then um, the second season, I think, was equally big. But, yeah, it just sort of steadily disappeared. I don't know what you, what you call it. And then for supporting actor in a comedy series, last year, Brett Goldstein won for Ted Lasso. And the contenders this year, we have um, Luke Kirby for Mrs. Maisel. I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, two actors from Ted Lasso. We've got Pete Davidson for Saturday Night Live. Um, oh, three actors from Ted Lasso, actually. Yeah. Uh, We've got Lakeith Stanfield for Atlanta, Lawrence Fishburne for Blackish, Harvey Gein for What We Do in the Shadows, which I still need to start. People say that's a really good show. Oh, yeah. It's it's silly, but it's so funny. And then Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary. I think that this, oh, and Carl Clemens Hopkins for Hacks. This go either way, like, I don't know who would have the upper hand other than maybe the Ted Lasso folks in this this grouping. Yeah, I, I don't think there's really enough of the Keith to really warrant anything. I mean, he was good, but... Yeah, I think it's just because he's in the show and yeah, he's, yeah. he's basically Darius. Like, I don't really see a difference between Lakeith and who Darius is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't really perform as much he was he was maybe more major in what the second season perhaps i think yeah um then next in line brian tyree henry for atlanta and chris perfetti for ab elementary yeah i would say brian tyree yeah i was gonna say yeah both of those both of those are pretty strong containers but tyree henry is the actor in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he delivers. Yeah, this whole season was just him. Like you couldn't focus on anybody else. Yeah, uh, what episode was that? Uh, New Jazz? Yeah. Episode was wild. Uh, and then in the top categories, runners, we have uh, previous winner Henry Winkler for Barry. Goldstein for Ted Lasso, previous winner Tony Shalhoub for Mrs. Maisel, uh, Kenyon Thompson and Boyne Yang for SNL, Anthony Kerrigan and Stephen Root for Barry, and then Ben Schwartz for The After Party. I know Boyne Yang, folks were rooting for him, I think it was last year, because he would have been the first, I think, Asian American to sort of win this Emmy. Um, yeah, well. So hopefully he gets it, because he was great. Um, yeah, that season I haven't watched this season to know, but he's he's still one of the best um, comedy actors out there. Very smart, and and his story is nuts because, at least to me, it just seemed like he was just on Twitter and then he just like randomly got picked up. I didn't really follow his comedy career, but um, right, it was sort of like a not overnight, but definitely seen but rather fast. Right, yeah, it was like damn, yeah. So hopefully um, we'll find out who is nominated. I believe the nominations will be announced sometime in July. Yes, July 12th, the nominations will be announced and the voting runs from June 16th to June 27th. Uh, nominations July 12th and then the ceremony May 12th at um, probably 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time on NBC. That brings us to our trailer things. Um, again, it's very Disney-centric um, here since they own everything. Um, only trailers I remember seeing this week were the trailer for Andor. This is another Star Wars series. This one stars Diego Luna. That's the actor's name. Let me make sure I got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. From Narcos, um, and he's reprising his role um, from Rogue One, Cassian, um, which Rogue One is like probably the only Star Wars film I really go up for. Like, it's it was fantastic. Um, 
So he will reprise that role and will be set five years before the events of Rogue One with the Rebellion. It's supposed to be like a Star Wars espionage type series. Um, and it's the only series, well, currently be the longest Star Wars series as it's been ordered for two seasons, 12 episodes each. And the first season uh, premieres in August. And then Blast from the Past, um, have you ever seen the 80s movie Willow? I have not, no. Okay, me neither, but I've always heard <laughs> of it. Um, well, they're doing a sort of sequel series to that movie. Um, it starred Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, um, some other people I didn't really know, but it's gonna be a fantasy series. Basically, um, mm -hmm. Warwick Davis is gonna reprise his role as Willow, um, the sorcerer hero, and a new gang of people like go on a new adventure to sort of save the world. I'm not very abreast on the film, so but I'm sure there's uh, some nostalgia to it, as it's from like 1988, I believe. So yeah, that series comes, I think later this summer, if I'm not mistaken, to Disney Plus. And in the box office, um, we had Tom Cruise and the crew of Top Gun Maverick reach a explosive total of $151 million for the Memorial Day weekend, which is his highest weekend debut ever. That's, you know what? That's kind of hard to believe, thinking about all the movies he's made, especially the Mission Impossibles. Right, like he's, he's yeah. never had a $100 million weekend before. So, um, and I think it was a Memorial Day weekend record, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. But um, and, go ahead. Oh, no, no, finish your thought, because this is kind of oh, about was, Tom Cruise. Yeah, I was going to say, um, as far as I know, the consensus is the movie is really good. Um, even my dad texted me and said he and my mom went to see it and it was good. It was corny. Um, yeah. so he said it was really enjoyable. So. Yeah, well, what uh, it was interesting because I saw a tweet the other day and obviously it's not Top Gun. And somebody said something that really kind of stuck with me is that that they said for the 30 and under crowd and maybe it's 30, like mid thirties and down that Mission Impossible was more kind of important to them than James Bond. No, and, and that really made me think. And I was kind of like, you know what? Like there is some truth to that. Yeah, I, I kind of saw the same type of discussion. Like it was like, Mission Impossible versus James Bond. And that would be true. Um, for our generation and younger, Mission Impossible is sort of like the top tier yeah, espionage like, action film right, or franchise. Right. Um, and I guess genera definitely generations older, it would be James Bond. Um, right. Just as of late, it kind of feels like the films were more sparse. Uh, right, but I could see that now. I have not seen any Mission Possible movie, like not all the way through at all. Yeah, and it seems recently where they decided to make this like a sort of franchise thing, like turning them out every other year. Yeah, like uh, and yeah, I've seen Mission Impossible. I've seen them both, but I, I really thought that was interesting because when they when that was brought up, then I thought. Well, you know what? Another one is like the Born Identity series. Like mm -hmm. the, those, you'd have to put that in the same category as Mission Impossible, but that's a completely different person. But um, yeah, that just really made me think. I was like, oh, that is true. But yeah, yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's he's been here for almost three generations now. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. All right, let's transition to our next segment, our pick six. <laughs> Uh, what did you watch this week that stood out to you? Okay, well, um, I always talk about um, food shows because I just, for some, they're really like uplifting and fun and kind of easy to watch. And um, a new one came on, well, not a new one, it started back, but this was Somebody Feed Phil and this Phil, this stars um, Phil Rosenthal. I can't remember what he actually did. I think he, 
Oh, yes. He uh, created Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, that's what it was. Hmm. And uh, so he's just, yeah, yeah. Just, um, and when you watch it, you kind of get that humor, but he just kind of goes around and um, it eats to different places, talks to the people, learns about the culture, just like all these other food shows. But it, I think what really makes it show shine, shine is his personality. He's just so strange, but he went to um, Mexico. Um, I want to, I always mess this up. I think it's called Oaxaca is what it, that's how they pronounce it. Um, Maine, Helsinki, Portland, and then Madrid in Spain. So kind of a wide variety of different places. But yeah, it's always kind of fun to watch those. All righty. And for me, I watched the premiere episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with the Star Wars prequel films, they do give you a little recap in the beginning, <laughs> like a quick, here's what happened in the first three movies um, to catch you up to speed. Overall, I think they were pretty decent. Um, uh, there was part of the narrative that wasn't introduced in the trailer, which I guess is the point of a trailer. You don't wanna give everything away. Right, right. Um, but part of the narrative, which was a surprise to me, but I think a lot of fans, diehard, Die-hard Star Wars fans will appreciate this where the story's going. Um, it started a little slow, just trying to set everything up. But by the end of the second episode, like it really picks up. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, it's a bit kind of corny in some portions, um, just because of the characters there. But um, I'm excited to see, I guess, the official return of Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, since he was sort of like bullied out of Hollywood after those prequel films ended. So this is sort of like a redemption arc um, for the actor, very similar to like Andrew Garfield in the Spider-Man movies. And like, it's just coming full circle for him. So I think a lot of fans are going to appreciate that. So um, we'll take a quick break right now and return with more Stream Over Life. Welcome back. And we're going to dive into our previously on with the fifth episode of We Own This City. This is penultimate episode, uh, part five. Um, basically, this episode just sort of drilled in the notion that members of the gun track gun task trace force or gun trace task gun trace task force uh were turning on each other um they got so caught up in their criminality and the thrill of what they were doing that they started to cheat each other and distrust basically wedged in and that's where their scheme basically became most yeah. noticeable um, what what else took out to you in this episode? Um, I, I think one thing. Oh, hold on a second. Um, I have to find names again. Um, and I've been wondering when it was going to happen because it seems like he's just kind of been skating by with not really doing any looking inward. But you can see it's starting to eat at. Um, I guess I guess he's detective now, Detective Suter, the one who used yes. to work with uh Wayne Jenkins and uh and I was like you know this because the way they showed it I'm like hold on man you're kind of complicit as well like you're just acting like you you weren't doing anything but um but you see that and uh overall this episode wasn't a big heavy hitter like, like some other ones but you still kind of got fed important information and right you can see all the people you can see the corruption happening of the mayor you can see all the different people in her ear and you know mm. who's saying what and, and um you know we all know how that story eventually goes but um to really see like the depravity and the greed that you know i i think i don't like any of the characters in the show uh, but i i can't stand herschel or even more so than jenkins i think he's like the worst character in the show <laughs> yeah yeah right and what's really interesting to me, how the investigators kept pointing out, even in the interrogations, that 
despite them knowing that they were being investigated by the feds, they continued the activity, like brazenly, right. like kept robbing, kept jacking, and were just like, because they didn't think it was going to come of anything, especially the part where um, the Mad Dog character was like, this isn't Esco, uh, Pablo Escobar, this is the police. Like, they can't touch us, like. Right, right, yeah. It's crazy, the the power complex, you just kind of feed yourselves in that position when you have that much authority. Um, but yeah, the Detective Suter, I think he thought he was going to get by until, you know, the official arrests were made, the indictments were moving forward, like that news announcement really sort of put him in check. Um, right. So yeah, I'm interested to see what happens there. Because um, oh, we say he even gets called out by the other guy. I, you remember that guy that he meets in the street where he's asking for like evidence? Mm-hmm. Because he's like, that guy's like, well, you didn't just start as a uh, detective. As a, de a detective. He's like, you know, you were a jump out boy at one point, weren't you? And he was just like, you know, that's behind me or something. Like, this is where I am now. And yeah. So yeah, you can kind of see that happening to him it was very much peter weren't you the one with jesus and he's like oh no 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 right right right. i don't know him <laughs> right so yeah we did the final episode this week um i mean i know we kind of know what happens but i definitely don't know how it happened so i'm excited to see where it okay. goes and i believe this past episode the author of the book made a cameo at the press oh. conference, um, Justin Fenton is his name. At the press conference, he was the re reporter that asked, I think the commissioner a question, like the one reporter that they focused on, I think that was him. Yeah. Hmm. Righty, so the series finale of We Own the City uh, airs Monday at 9 p.m. on HBO and HBO Max. We'll now get into no concessions. Uh, what are you recommending for us this week? I'm recommending one of my favorite films, and this is Dazed and Confused. Uh, this film is from 1993. Uh, stars uh, Parker Posey, a young Ben Affleck, Matthew McConaughey. They're all young in this movie. But um, if I'm not mistaken, it takes place in, oh, Emilia Jovovich, who was really young in this. Um, it takes place in Austin, Texas on the last day of school. And it's just these teenagers from freshman to senior year going through like kind of all these rituals. And it's real funny. And um, there's some famous lines, especially from Matthew McConaughey who plays like a older kind of maybe early twenties person who's still hanging around high schoolers. But um, um, yeah, it's really funny and just kind of lighthearted. And I picked this one because uh, I think people people need something lighthearted right now. The world is insane. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, this is on Hulu and yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's sort of like a it's like a a teen classic, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. It's a coming of age story. It is. I get yeah, I think a lot of people would probably call it a classic. So yeah. Yeah. And then our excuse me, second half no concessions. Um, the can winners were announced this weekend after the weeks of the festival happening in Cannes, France, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> they announced the winners of the main categories, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce these names and whatnot. But um, for the Palme d'Or um, yes. award went to Triangle of Sadness. Um, this is directed by Ruben Oslin, and I believe this stars Woody Harrelson. It's some uh, I think, satire of sorts. Um, yes, two models and a cleaning lady become stranded on a desert island with a group of billionaires. Hmm. So yes, it stars Woody Harrelson. Um, and a bunch of people I do not recognize. I think Woody's the most known actor of this film, but I believe he sort of steals the, the show. It's a dramedy, drama comedy that took the 
top award. Um, and then the Grand Prix Award went to two films, Close by Lucas Daunt and Stars at Noon by Claire Dennis. Best Director went to Park Chan-wook for Decision to Leave. And I know a lot of people were talking about that movie. Um, it's been described as a romance mystery, murder mystery, which is sort of like two totally different genres yeah. into one. But for right, right. about it. Best screenplay went to Tariq Selah for Boy from Heaven. Um, the jury prize went to two films, EO by Jersey Sklomiowski. <laughs> and um, Le Auto Montong, which is The Eight Mountains by Charlotte Vandermeerch and Felix von Groningen. Okay. Uh, 75th anniversary prize went to Tori and Lokita by Jean-Pierre and Luke Dardine. Best actress was Zahra Amir Abrahimi for Holy Spider, which we discussed, I believe, in the previous Yeah, episode. we did. That's directed by Ali Abbasi. And best actor went to Song Kong-ho and Broker by Koreeda Hirokazu. So those were the big winners of the mm -hmm. Canada Festival, and I'm sure they will show up at other festivals and awards ceremonies the next year leading up to the Oscars, so. Yeah, I was just about to say that I'm sure we'll be seeing those movies a lot more soon, so. Yeah, especially Broker and Decision to Leave, like. Right, right. The, um, like, international Korean, Asian American films are sort of having a moment just within the last decade or so, so. Right be interesting to follow their trajectory. We'll now get into our feature presentation um, where we're going to discuss the newest season of Stranger Things, season four on Netflix from the Duffer Brothers. Um, it's been a while since we've seen the kids from Hawkins, Indiana, um, between COVID and just long production hiatuses in general. I think the last series was 2018. So um, season four sees the kids in high school um, going through the regular teen angst. Um, and of course you toss in demons from another dimension and things just go crazy. Um, what were your initial thoughts? Well, first, how, mu how much did you watch this weekend? Because I believe part one uh, is out right now. I got to the middle of episode six, so I'm almost done. But yeah, I have like an episode and a half left. Okay. Um, yeah, so I got pretty far. I got that far too. I actually finished later this afternoon, but that's where I was. For some reason I thought there was only five episodes in the first half. Uh, yeah, I was like seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the second part actually has five. So it's a bit confusing. But um, yeah, each episode got longer. I was like, okay. Where was yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what were your initial thoughts on this season so far? So one thing I had to get used to was once they the jumping back and forth between California and Indiana. That mm. really confused me for a little bit. I was like, okay, wait, who's where and what's going on? And then um over that, there's just there's a lot going on in this show. Like, yeah. There is a lot happening. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. It's good. And it's, you know, like I'm on episode six, uh, like, you know, halfway through episode six and these episodes are all over an hour long. So clearly it's, it's keeping me entertained, but, um, but yeah, there's just a lot going on and, you know, it's still the same vibe. It, it's fun, uh, interesting, kind of want to see how the story go, but there, there are, we'll say there are elements that, like I just don't care for. And I think one of those, and maybe, well, I'll just say it, but like, I just don't care about like Winona writers, not her character, but what's her happening art. with her character. Yeah, like the whole Russia, Alaska, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I too feel the same way. I, I'm enjoying it. Um, I tweeted many times, there's a lot happening, <laughs> like the amount of time yeah. 
the amount of times like they do like a cut where it goes to like the next scene we're back in another loca- location it's like okay right. we get it like they're everywhere um but yeah i think the weakest link of this season is joyce and i can't remember the other guy's name but her arc is not very interesting um i kind of wish they had kept hopper's existence to the chest until like maybe the final episode of this season and like tease maybe him somewhere in the second half and then season five is like getting him back because it just wasn't it was too predictable like too easy just to say oh he just jumped and escaped right evaporation or whatever like i don't know i think would have been a much better hook if if that happened like why don't joyce's character would have been able to move on a bit maybe not fall in love but just move on with her life i guess you'd say right yeah yeah um so yeah that 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 whole story was kind of dragging let's just say oh god okay yeah, I definitely rolled my eyes every time they went back to her and the conspiracy theorist guy and everything. But I think the other parts definitely hold up well. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed what they're doing with Max, um, given that I think her and Billy were the best parts of season three. Right, right. Um, it, I'm loving the way she's evolving. Um, I really liked how they do the dynamics amongst the friends because that's such a a real part of life. Like those teen years when you start to sort of develop more of who you are individually and around the different crowds and where you'll attract, like those rifts start to form um, just a bit. I'm really enjoying that. Um, what else? Just hop in anytime. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to think. Um, of course, uh, oh God, the little the little sister that her part was funny. Oh, Erica. Erica. I think the whole it the the it, it's interesting and kind of really good how they're interweaving real stuff that happened like I know I don't know if Dungeons and Dragons was really the cause of like parents being upset about what their children were doing but how we're getting this sort of satanic panic type story with this game and this is why this is happening in Hawkins and uh, you know Eddie is the reason that these kids are dying and how they've tied that in is really kind of interesting because you know like um, that that happened all across the country, but being from Indiana, I could definitely see that happening here. Like, right. yeah, this, right. this Dungeon and Dragons game is absolutely ruining your child's life, so. Yeah, I definitely thought that was a great choice they made. And the way, I, I even tweeted this, like they sort of organized the mob mentality syndrome perfectly compared to Halloween Kills, like two different, yeah films but like it felt sort of it made sense here like the Santana panic the murders sort of like this bible thumping all-american right, right. row like gavelizing them up against like the outcast or whatever um it, it all really worked um and I did like the um sort of uh the stuff behind the killings, like I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how this. I like how that that was written. Um, yeah, I kind of wish this is my only. This is what I I think I would wish if they had left Hopper for a surprise by the end of this season, we could have gotten more of those characters before their demise so we would actually sort of feel a little bit more yeah no I absolutely agree I think the addition of Hopper and trying to tell this story with him in some Russian camp 
um, does take away from other stuff that they could have told because Chrissy seems like an important person, maybe Why? more so than the boy that died, but she seemed like, you know, she was top cheerleader. She's dating the top basketball player. And this is generally all we knew about her. We didn't know because, because the little demon guy, the stuff he was saying to her was in the voice of her mother. And she was like belittling her saying like, your dress won't fit, you're too fat or this and that. And it just really didn't get into it enough, which it could have. And I think that would have been good. Yeah. And the way I remember reading uh, articles on the season and like, they're like, Chrissy is like the new teen princess, but she might be hiding more than what people believe. So I'm expecting her to be sort of like a central part of the narrative. The story, yeah. And then she's gone within like the first episode. I was like, well, what? So yeah, we could have definitely done more with those characters. Even by the time she meets with um, Eddie in the woods, like there was so much to explore there, like just on the human side. Like, I don't know why. Right, right. What happened with that? I definitely think we should have got more of that. Cause I definitely think we could have got more of the Eddie thing. Cause like he, he was in the last season, wasn't he? Uh, not Eddie. If he was, it was not Eddie. I meant Fred. Yeah, yeah. Her little uh, sidekick for the paper. Yeah. Okay. He was yeah. in the last season. So I when he so so when he started talking about like what he did, I was like, did I miss something from last season? Because I don't remember this. Right. They just sort of made that up oh. as part of his backstory. Yes. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm only saying I think he was in the last season. It's been so long, but I feel like if he was in the last season, it was brief. Like, we still didn't get much of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. they could have definitely given us less Joyce, less Hopper, and more on Christy, yeah. Fred, and Patrick, just because right. those things felt so integral to the plot and yet we didn't get much of those characters like yeah they much... did a good oh yeah i agree i was yeah I, I was gonna say I was, they did like a good um kind of like bait and switch because when max is in the bathroom and chrissy is in there throwing up i definitely thought it was going to be a whole teenage star cheerleaders pregnant type thing yeah me and too then... i thought i thought she was pregnant with jamie's baby and then like right I don't know, like... Yeah, I, I'm, I didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely what I thought was going to happen. Um, and that's that was, like, the theory I was trying to come up with, like, early on, I was thinking, okay, so she's hiding a pregnancy. She's trying to... I almost thought she was trying to abort it with the drugs. Like, I was really kind of confused. But I was thinking that this curse was haunting folks with like some sort of secret shame or something yeah that's what i thought yeah. at first um because even with patrick they really i guess what he was being abused at home is that what we're supposed to assume yeah i guess so that's kind of what they at least that's what i got from it yeah yeah so yeah um i i i do like the sort of betrayal the idea of Vecner's curse I just wish there was we had gotten more of those characters especially the Christie character right and then right. sort of more of how it really works because they kind of explained that just sort of like this is how it works it's like well really is that for real like yeah I and I don't think we can talk about this without bringing up what you want to call it. And why is her name escaping me? Who is the little girl that was terrorizing Eleven? Is her name Angelica? Angela. Angela. Oh my God. <laughs> that that was really annoying. It's like, so I know we all know she doesn't have her powers, but like right. just slap her. Like where right. like I don't understand how she doesn't, she didn't know she could just sort of like hit her or push her. Yeah, or do something else, yeah. 
Yeah. I I definitely was aghast when she picked the rollerblades. I was like, 11? This is like attempted murder. Like, right. Like, you went to the next level. Like, bring it yeah. back. Calm down. And then, okay. So then after that, so I got two other things. One, one thing that sticks out to me is they did all this to bring Will back and then they treat Will like dirt. Like <laughs> Yes, like he's they went, as if he never <laughs> left the dark, the 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 um upside down. It's like right. it's and weird. then yeah, it's weird how they do that. And then I what is the deal with him? I what are they trying to get across? Is he just is he just shy? Is he different? Like the whole thing with him and um why am I forgetting these people's names? His uh, buddy, like I Mike. Yes, that is. They when they're in his bedroom, like I don't know, there's just so much happening that's really kind of uh, I'm not sure where anything's going. Yeah, I think honestly they sort of didn't know what to do with Will since maybe the end of season two. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they should have left him in the upside down. <laughs> yeah, because season two, it was like they thought he was healed and then he was touching the back of his neck every time the Demogorgon was around or whatever. Yeah. It was like sort of like the sign. And then season three, it was the Mind Slayer, Flayer or whatever. So, but they haven't really evolved his character. Like they've sort of hinted maybe that he could be queer or maybe asexual yeah. because he doesn't really date or show an interest in any sort of romantic right, right. interest at all. And he's just sort of stuck. And if that's the case, like show him going to therapy or show him doing something. Doing something other than just being there. Like I don't know how you go from being like the main character to an afterthought right right um because i honestly thought he he was excellent in the second season the actually the first two seasons like the acting he did was really good yeah but they haven't really given him much since no and then i you know i like how they show different things that everybody goes through in um in high school well not everybody but um with Lucas and kind of the peer pressure of him wanting yeah. to fit in with this new group of people, but doing so will have him go against the people he's known his whole life. And then on the flip side of that, he asked his friends to come to this championship game. And then they're like, nah, we're going to go do something else. So, right. Um, it was like a two way, you know, I was, right, right, right. Obviously they have like a, a reconciliation and kind of, of course, come back together. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated that. I thought that was good. Um, trying to think what and, uh, I don't know. Him, <laughs> him dating a white girl in 1980s Indiana. He's a brave man. Yeah, I said the same thing. Like, <laughs> and someone tweeted me who from also from Indiana, and they were like, it would be different if they actually cared about Max, but like she's from the other side of the track. So yeah. But shit, that makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they someone someone was like, if it had been Steve that was like dating like a black girl, yeah, it might have yeah. gotten some some shaking up, I guess you'd say. Um, which brings me to like the way they're sort of courting Steve and Nancy again, sort of. Yeah. Cause her and Jonathan were like on the rocks, which Jonathan was just here. Yeah, I like the addition of the Argyle character. He's funny, but mm-hmm. it, once again, the two of them are are very much like, um, you know, Joyce and the guy that's in Alaska with it. They just kind of seem to be filling up space and taking up time. Yeah, I'm thinking some of these characters could have died by now, honestly. Oh, absolutely. And... I mean, it's definitely it, can't still, it's still possible, but we definitely could have lost some people by now. Yeah, and I think you may be right about the Steve and Nancy thing, but I think they're also going to hint at the whole 
possibility of like Robin and Nancy as well. Yeah, they could. I will but, say I found Robin a bit annoying in some of these episodes. Yeah, it seems like she talks a lot more than she did in the last season. I mean, obviously she's got more lines, but yeah, her character's personality seems she yeah, sort of aloof. Yeah, extra, a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. um, and we have mentioned some of the new characters. Um, I do like the Eddie character. At first, I thought he was doing a bit much as like the, you know, forever senior or or whatnot, right, outcast right. contrarian. But I think the moment he meets with Chrissy, like you definitely get to see the other side to him, like who he actually right. is. Um, and from then on, like his character develops pretty well, I think. Yeah. And I think that again shows, it goes back into the whole thing of the writers trying to show the story of the satanic panic, how these people were demonized without actually knowing who they were, or what they were doing. And, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, we see him beginning and he does seem like a forever senior stoner kind of aloof and just, just getting by, but, you know, granted he's selling weed to her. He does seem very caring and like, you know, right. Like, are you actually like, are you all right? Like, are you sure you want to do this? There are other options, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Jason and the jocks, of course, I want someone to hit Jason in the face, like every time he's on the screen. So oh, God. Yeah. the actor's doing wonderful. And again, <laughs> uh, just to say it, like we could have gone to college because Jason does not look like he's- Yeah. No, not at all. None of them do whatsoever. I think I hate that. Like, I mean, the, the younger kids, okay, out of all of them, I, they, they all the, the younger ones look like they're in high school they could have done something else with lucas's hair because that that fro was bothering me the whole time i was like all right we get it it's the 80s but <laughs> but you're absolutely right nobody else looks like a high school student yeah, yeah. and then um i had wrote down gideon and i think this guy's the wrong name but the argyle character he was a nice addition a yeah goofy at times but he seemed to be smarter than Jonathan like yeah at least have some sort of a um, yeah kind of purpose yeah I almost forgot before wrapping up this whole 11 pass uh, storyline like I'm not sure how it come how it's related to now yeah and and maybe that's something we'll figure out in the back half but i agree i'm kind of just like like what because that also is a lot like yeah like so her. like we didn't know these four seasons that she she killed like a dozen people like what the hell <laughs> right like, like how you just live now yeah, you can't just spring that on us this little girl's a murderer dude. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, I, I will we, say, though, I was... Oh, no, go ahead. Okay, no, I was just going to bring up kind of some other faces we saw. You got... Um, oh, I think... I don't... He was the other officer, but um, John Reynolds, who plays in, um, the big tall guy. Oh, God, yeah. What is going on? Yes. Um, what is the show with Aaliyah Shawcat? Search Party. Search Party. Yes, thank you. Yeah, um, I, I don't know his name, but he was just the father in um, Showtime about the Lakers. Rob Morgan. Yes, he's the other one, the other sheriff, so good for him. And then, I'm not sure if you noticed it, but Victor Krill, the guy in the, in the jail, is, is Robert England, who is yes. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. yeah, legendary so, horror actor. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure that young people would pick that up but you know if you've seen freddy krueger and it's his voice you know that you could tell by his voice and i was like oh yeah that's it yeah and the duffers are definitely in their horror bag this season like the shit is scary oh yeah oh it's dark it's dark it's much yes. darker than anything we've seen so much darker like that opening <clears throat> opening scene back in Haw in the hawkins lab is terrifying um the first death like of Chrissy is wild. Even that moment in the yeah. bathroom, 
the hallucinations yeah. are just like the voices. Yeah. The the one character that's giving me the biggest creeps, and then you know we can move on from this, is um, I think his name is Peter. He's the young doctor that's like helping Eleven in her flashbacks or in present day. Yeah, he's creepy. Yeah, I don't know what to make of him. Like, like <laughs> he's just kind of eerie. And I was like, okay, don't know where this is going, but whatever. Right, very strange. Um, yeah. But yes, they're definitely a horror bag, and there's a lot of you can tell there's a lot of influences from films like uh, Freddy Krueger, um, mm-hmm. well, Nightmare on Elm Street, like eighty. 80- yeah horror films, slasher films, Friday the 13th, just all the horror elements are in there and they've really sort of gone for it this season, you know, in spite of it being a bit bloated, of course, with a lot going on. I know it's the 80s and like the Soviet Union was like our arch nemesis, but some of that shit could have been like watered down. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Like it it may have been like, my least favorite part of season three because yeah, yeah like the idea the russians have this base under the mall it was a bit of a stretch <laughs> yeah. I, I it's very hard to believe. i think one of my favorite parts though is that uh and then like i said we can move on the um when he's talking to i think it's yuri is is he says something about peanut butter being an american delicacy and i don't know why that made me laugh <laughs> and I think it's just because you know peanut butter is just peanut butter here. That's like, oh, right. That's yeah, trying to emphasize sort of like the the perils of communism ra- rationing. I guess you'd right. say. Um, what do you want to see in part two, which drops on July second, or what you are ex- expecting? I am expecting this story to keep going. Um, in sense of it, I don't know if this is the final season or not no there will be a season five okay wow so they're going to be like 25 in high school um I, I guess I just I, I honestly don't know I would like it to be a little bit cleaner in terms of more linear and straightforward because mm-hmm. uh, they, they gotta meet up if they're not all in California not Indiana they need to meet up somewhere in the middle like Kansas or some shit because the going back and forth is is a lot yeah it it's uh, there's a lot of moving parts um yeah but when it's good it's good you know yes sir. episode four durability was definitely a standout episode um i think the first episode you know with chrissy was definitely a standout moment yeah um so yeah i'll i'm i'll be here for the second part which oh, i believe yeah, oh, yeah I'm not- um five episodes and the final episode is over two hours so wow definitely be locked in for that yeah yeah indeed all right before we get out of here we're streaming for the weekend okay i've got kind of a random list of stuff um uh, i've got other shows i need to catch up on but a history channel which is very up my lane has this kind of documentary coming on about uh, buffalo soldiers and um it's called black patriots buffalo soldiers and uh, buffalo soldiers were like some of their rangers some of the first people to um work in national parks and everything and kind of help the u.s move westward uh so they like protected settlers, they built roads and other infrastructures and things like that. And, and they were they were black. And um, so, yeah, of course they weren't treated well. Some of them were um, you know, like former slaves, some of them were free men. So anyways, that's on the History Channel. I'll probably check that out. And then um, Rebecca Hall's film, The Night House is on HBO Max. And it's been on there for a minute now, but uh, she's really, she's got the range in, so many ways she can act she can direct and mm-hmm. so uh i'm sure this will be just as good as you know some other things that she's done so i'm interested in checking that out all righty uh for me let's see oh excuse me 
<clears throat> let me get it together here. Over at Amazon, um, Friday, season three of The Boys drops. Um, should be exciting. That series is sort of like the antithesis of superhero series. Um, excited to see what happens in the third season. And they also have a movie called Emergency. I believe this was at Sundance. Hmm. And I didn't get to oh, see yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that the one about, go ahead. Yeah, it's about uh, three college students who find a drunk, pass out white girl and like the sort of like tribulation of them trying to do the right thing without getting caught because the three students are students of color with a drunk, pass out white girl and it's like a black comedy. Um, So yeah, I definitely want to see that. I've heard good things about it. And then also Friday, we get the second season premiere of P-Valley over on Stars. Um, this is the sort of breakout stripper drama series <laughs> um, that premiered in 2019 or 2020. I think so. I think it was right at the break of the pandemic. Um, it was sort of like the diamond in the rough. So yeah, I'm excited to see um, that come out. And then you can join us next week as we'll probably discuss uh, the Stranger Things season four in total as we'll be, we'll both have it completed. Um, and we'll continue our Emmy discussion and wherever else seems to happen in the world of entertainment. Until then, keep on streaming. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.